Welcome to Digiday Live, our podcast where we review the best sessions from our many summits around the world. I'm Aditi Sango, and today I'm bringing you an episode from the Digiday Future of TV Summit we recently held in California. As technology improves and as data strategies strengthen, what does that mean for the advertising world of traditional TV and OTT platforms? Join Michael Piner from Mullen Lowe's Media Hub as he details advancements in targeting audiences and evaluating ads on TV screens. So I'm hoping you can, we can start by you helping me understand something, some kind of a riddle. Linear TV viewership is obviously going down. Everyone talks about it. Mm-hmm. Yet when I check the earnings reports for all the TV networks, their revenue is going up. And when I talk to buyers, it's demand still there, prices are going up. What's going on? Why is that happening? Well, I guess, um, simply put, television works. Okay. And it works really well. And historically, I think it's, uh, that's part of the problem. And not only that, I think TV works. Um, it's kind of the ultimate utility player. So there's a lot of talk um, in the trades and in the articles about television is best um, for branding, for long, long-term brand health, et cetera. And that's the commercials that we all like to consume and watch over promo type ads, right? And ads that drive performance. But the fact is that television works works very well for driving performance and short-term results as well. That's why DRTV is still um, billions of dollars um, in business um, today. So television works um, to really um, accomplish many goals for advertisers, especially for advertisers that have leaned on it for a long time. So it's just tough tough to break old habits, and um, that's why we're seeing um, TV networks being so resilient and able to keeping um, their share of the revenue. Breaking old habits. Are old habits breaking? Like what's going on in this OTT environment? And and let's kind of define OTT because OTT and connected TV kind of get used interchangeably. Feels like connected TV is when we're talking about something streamed to a TV screen, which is usually OTT content, but it's sort of like the content's OTT. CTV is the device. Yeah, exactly. So I think, you know, we've kind of, you know, created this like soup of confusing acronyms in this business. Like there's a ton of them, especially when it comes to television. So we believe that TV um, really is everything. TV is many. That's how we define it, right? So um, it's linear and it's also OTT, and it's all these acronyms that we use, um, set-top box VOD or STB VOD, there's DVR, there's FEP, there's OTT, there's CTV, and we have all of these different definitions, so it's very confusing. They're all TV because the content is um, moving across screens and devices, but it's also moving across distribution channels, which are your apps, your connected TV apps, your OTT apps, your social, apps, actually video is emerging through them. So that's all the new cable, that's new distribution. So really it's all, it's all TV. But what is most confusing in those acronyms is really um, OTT and connected TV. A lot of people are using OTT to define or talk about connected TV. And I think connected TV is within OTT. So OTT is um, v- premium video content, right? That's consumed outside of a traditional cable subscription or f- free over the air on any device. Um, connected TV is an internet enabled connected TV that you're viewing content on. Okay. So that would be the difference. Okay, and like if we're talking about OTT and it's either actual TV content, like. 
I can stream This Is Us or Monday Night Football to a device just like I can watch it through a cable box. Or it's TV quality content. It's Hulu Originals or CBS All Access, you know, those kinds of shows. Why is it that TV advertisers are sticking with linear TV? Or, or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they are inching into the OTT space. Yeah, I think they are. I think they're inching into the OTT space. And I think, you know, it goes back to what I said is that television works. And um, so that's part of the problem. Um, so I think, you know, I like to use really an analogy for this. And so, you know, television at its peak was like um, a multi-lane super freeway that you could drive down and you could pick up like all your audiences. And it was relatively flat, right? So it was like the 405 at 3 a.m. without construction, um, basically. And you could zoom down that, right? Um, but then the advent of really mobile and mobile TV apps and then connected TV, really um, around 2014, 2013, right? After television's peak at the end of the last decade, we really started to see cracks in the road mm -hmm. appear, right? And it was relatively easy to start to fill those cracks by including some FEP and then some Hulu, right? And then, um, then those cracks turn into crevices a couple of years later, like in 2016, 2017. What and happened? then you started seeing you know, connected TV. That was really the rise of connected TV. Okay. And it's no coincidence that Netflix in 2016 like doubled the amount of their originals. Um, same with Amazon Prime. And we see a lot of eyeballs started moving to connected TV and television start to lose a lot of those eyeballs. So the cracks started to turn into crevices and these are missing audiences, mm. right, in the highway. And now, the last couple of years, we're seeing those crevices turn into potholes, right? And those potholes, cracks and crevices all need to be filled um, with these different um, screens and these different digital um, apps that are, that are serving video. And so um, when these first started to appear, I remember it was like four years ago um, that a very smart research guy um, at IPG, I was at Magna at the time, um, leading investment for Magna. And this was the first time that I saw a reach frequency curve broken down by age break, where in other words, you looked at the adults 18 to 49, which is the money demo, and you started looking at the frequency of exposures. Not only was the reach declining, everyone's familiar with the reach curve, but you started looking at the frequency of exposure when you broke 18 to 49 down by age break. And so those audiences that were over 50 were seeing the ad like 10 plus times. It was into the teens. And then you had really the 35 to 49, where it was in the high single digits. And then you had the 25 to 34, where it was in the low single digits, right? And then you had the 18 to 24, where it was maybe like one time, and then under 18, like not at all. They were completely missing. Now that was four years ago. And so that has gotten actually worse. The older audiences, it's much higher. It's into the 20s. And then you have even less um, on some of those age breaks that are in the middle. Um, so really, that has become the problem. And I think diagnosing that problem now is where we're tapping into um, what I call the three Ds, right? Your DMPs, your DSPs, and your data stacks, 
right? And there are third-party solutions out there that are really, and I think um, the fellow who was on before was talking about it, and it was really understanding the unduplicated um, frequency of exposures across linear and across digital that really need to understand what is happening with the linear TV buy and how to fix it, right? And that is really difficult. It takes device graphing and it takes resolving for identity, an online identity, a linear identity, and an offline identity, which is very difficult. So there's been a lot of progress in the past couple of years um, resolving for that. And I think this is when we move past our you know, standard cross-channel planning tools and really dig under the hood to really understand um, that uneven distribution and exposure. Um, and it's not just age break, um, it's also an audience. This is where it gets really interesting. When we look at either um, custom audience segments for an advertiser or really just looking at it between heavy TV viewers and light TV viewers um, or different standard um, audiences that we may want to look at, families, um, new homeowners, um, et cetera. We can see the exposures by different audience and really um, use the different um, digital screens and apps um, that we're talking about to really fill in those crevices, cracks, and potholes. How are you able to do that? Because we, like Jesse and I were kind of talking earlier about some you know, platforms or programmers share some data, but they don't share all the data. And so I imagine that can like kind of create potholes when you're trying to deduplicate audiences or ensure that you're reaching incremental audiences. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why this is so complicated and it takes large data sets to do this right. And sort of whoever you're working with, it becomes about digging deeper into like, you know, what viewing data sources do you have, right? And it really takes two because you have, you know, your digital, which is primarily ACR data that they're relying on, right? Um, and then also your set-top box linear viewership data. And all of that is fragmented between the different TV manufacturers and device owners on the connected TV and OTT side. Um, and then on the set-top box data side, that's all your cable providers and satellite providers that have that data. So um, a lot of work initially was being done with just portions of this data. And I think agents as agencies um, and as um, data services, um, ad tech that's out there are getting much smarter at getting larger scale um, data sets to really resolve for this. Does this get screwy then when you're talking about multi-person households? Like, because the, the whole thing with digital for a long time is this is one-to-one. -one. Mm -hmm. I know exactly who the person is or I have some idea of who the one individual on the other side of the screen is going to be. TV, it could be multiple TVs in the same household, multiple people in the room watching an ad, how are you reconciling that? Yeah, exactly, that's a great point. Because actually when device graphs first came out, it was a one-to-one -one device graph that we were looking at. And then a few years ago, what became really popular was the household device graph, and everyone had a household device graph. And the reason why is because with uh, connected TV impressions increasing so much, they were increasing the most, and people started to understand that you know, there was co-viewing going on, so it was really about the household and the household viewing that was going on, um, and really reaching individual households that had the consumers in it that we really wanted uh, to reach and our advertisers needed to reach. Um, so, um, and then obviously for some digital, major digital platforms, right, um, started to partner with Nielsen to actually account 
for that co-viewing. Uh, the first one was Roku um, a couple of years ago, and now Hulu is doing that where they put a multiplier um, on the impressions um, to account for the co-viewing that's taking place. And does that get a little squishy? Yeah, that's a concern. That was definitely a concern of ours of, you know, what multiplier are they using, you right. know? Is it times two or times three? Because I think a lot of survey research, and it's not, um, so I'm just telling you, um, it's, it's about, on average, like 1.5. And um, that's important because a lot of survey research, especially that we did at Media Hub, um, really um, was surprising in revealing the amount of individual viewing that's taking place on the big screen, that's taking place on connected TVs. Mm. Um, it's more than, than you think it is. We did this customized research study where it was about 80% reported that they often view connected TV, 80% of viewers in total, you know, on their, on their own, personally. And that just speaks to the different kinds of content that, you know, is available in all these streaming apps. Um, I have a difficult time finding something to watch um, together with my wife. I want to watch something. She wants to watch something else. Um, so we end up going to different rooms sometimes to watch different content or whatever. It's sad, but... You know, it happens, but uh, there are some shows out there that we find. So there's definitely co-viewing happening. I think it's just less, certainly less than when TV was at its peak. Right. Um, when TV was at its peak, um, that was great. We had everybody in the same room. We had all these different ages and all these different consumers in the same room, and we were able to slice up, you know, that GRP pie um, and, and divvy it up, and now, you know, everyone's everywhere, and that's becoming a problem. So. When co-viewing factors in, how does that change the considerations from, like, an audience targeting perspective? Because now it's, okay, yeah, I want to target Lakers fans, mm -hmm. and maybe I'm in the room and I'm watching something, but someone else might be in the room with me, and they're not in that demographic ad gets shown to both of us and it's determined there's multiple people in the room, we're gonna charge you double or whatever the co-viewing factor is. Yeah. But hey, that other person in the room isn't actually in your target audience, so you're getting charged double when really you only got one of the people that you wanted. Oh, Again, it feels like super squishy. Oh man, Tim, why'd you have to throw that wrench into it? <laughs> um, no, I mean, it gets really um, confusing. I think it's just, you know, about on the linear TV screen and on the connected TV screen, you're, it's really about finding the Lakers fan households, right? Okay. Like, that's what it's about. And then... Um, so a the, lot of this is coming back to the household. Yeah, right? a lot of it is actually moving back to the household as that is, like, the first place to start. Like, to, for advertisers to own the home, to own the living room first, and then on mobile, right, and other devices, then you can reach the individual and really retarget them and push them down the funnel, right? Okay. So that's where it kind of works best. Target the household, reach the household of the consumers you're trying to reach, and then you can fill in with mobile and retarget them later, the individual that you actually want to reach and, and push them to purchase or push them to drive whatever result you're trying to, uh, to accomplish. Got it, yeah. okay. Um, the TV networks, like mm -hmm. obviously, they kind of looked at digital as kind of this add-on for a long time when they were pitching like upfronts. There's more talk about fluidity deals, basically like, hey, commit to spending whatever amount with NBCU or Viacom, and we're gonna kind of serve it on a like-for-like -like basis across our traditional TV networks, but then also if people are watching through NBC's OTT app or on their website in the full episode player. Mm -hmm. And now this year, I feel like they're talking more about, oh, and also we have first party data, like Discovery. This is the first year that mm -hmm. they're, 
going to apply their first party data from an audience targeting perspective. Mm -hmm. How is that the fact that the TV networks are now getting on board with providing more targeting options, providing more measurement to, I would imagine, to come along with this? How's that changing the equation from a buyer's perspective? Yeah, I think they're. I think it's great. I mean, I think they're giving us more weapons. Like we have more weapons um, in the toolbox, and able to um, to really right size, you know, that uneven distribution of exposure, right? And really um, increase incremental reach um, by using some of those tools, right, to hit the audiences that we're missing, um, but then also um, adjust the overexposure and hit those that are underexposed, right? And we can layer on sort of some of these tools, so the. So the television networks are, are moving to make more of their inventory addressable, right? Mm -hmm. And ad serving. Instead of, they started you know, using data and these data optimizers and their data products to really um, high index, right? High index type buying. So really focus in on who the audiences is that you're trying to reach and then um, reach more of them in a traditional linear buy by buying the networks, by buying the programs and the day parts where more of those audiences are gonna be. But now, actually addressable is actually TV that acts like digital. Um, so we're able to use really um, like VOD, for example, they're redoing um, their deals with the cable operators to make their VOD um, you know, ad servable and addressable. Um, also their O&O apps. Right, um, Hulu, their deals with Hulu, making that inventory that they sell as part of these fluidity deals addressable. So I think um, fluidity is important, I think, for a lot of heavy um, legacy TV advertisers to make it simple to follow the eyeballs, and it's a first step. But I think really um, it's important for us as agencies and advertisers to really diagnose the problem, right, um, and then have these different tools to make sure um, that we're doing it right and we're hitting the audiences we need to hit and we're, and we're driving the results that we need to drive. Right. Yeah. And like, I mean, you're on the ground level diagnosing the problem, but when, as you're diagnosing the problem and you're figuring out what the solutions could be, how do you then communicate that to clients, especially clients who are just like, yeah, that's fine, but I just, it sounds like a lot of work. I don't want to deal with that. Well, yeah, I mean, that's exactly the problem. I think for, um, you know, um, large, you know, legacy TV advertisers, it's tough to convince them to go to the doctor, um, basically. Um, that's kind of what I pair. It's like a patient that is like, you know, I'm feeling kind of sick. I don't know, but, you know, the solution is just more GRPs, more TV. Right. Really, it's not. It's, you know, getting them, um, you know, convincing them to go to the doctor and really get the diagnosis, right, and get the script and, and what that is. And that, you know, it, it is a lengthy process. Um, right, sometimes to really understand that, to really look under the hood. What are kind of the big stages in that yeah. process? So I think really, you know, number one is understanding, you know, the consumer that you're trying to reach, right? Um, and it's not about we want to reach all of these different devices, right? We're not targeting devices. We're targeting people. We're trying to reach people. And so who are your um, highest value audiences, right? Um, who are the consumers you're actually trying to reach that would drive um, business results? And then how do we define them? What data sets do we use to define them? And I think like that is the, uh, the most important part, and that's the beginning, and that's the toughest part, right? And um, you go down a rabbit hole really quickly when you start to get into this conversation, because linear TV is about mass reach still. 
So yes, we can do better than adults 18 to 49, we can do better than adults 25 to 54, but we don't have to get so precise that we're only targeting you know, two or three you know, million people by layering, and you go down that rabbit hole very quickly. So when you're using linear TV, you know, just make those definitions still scalable, right? In the audiences that you're trying to reach. And then when you layer on the other more precise tools that you have in the toolbox, and that starts with linear TV addressable, household linear addressable. You can still find younger audiences and different audiences with linear by using household addressable first and then using um, OTT addressable um, mobile and desktop and also connected TV on top of that where you can really um, hone in. So um, I think making these decisions, understanding um, the data sets that you want to use, the partners you want to part with, partner with, like that is, um, it's just hard to get started, really. Right. Yeah. With all like these potholes on the road, it, the road just sounds like a really, really rough place. Are clients <laughs> like, are there any clients who are like, nah, I'm, I'm going to take the metro. I'm not going to deal with this. Or is everyone pretty committed to let's just figure out how to fill in these cracks and potholes? Yeah, all the, all the time that happens. Yeah, a lot of clients, um, unfortunately, will just do that. And I think um, where we have success is just, you know, using the macro trends in viewership, time spent, um, you know, um, the distribution of impressions across screens, right? Um, your cross, you know, your cross-channel tools, planning tools that have been around for a long time to sort of just get that initial overview and then use some of these tools to just sort of patch it over, patch over the road but not really um, fill it in. And so I think we've been very successful at doing that as agencies, but we really need to, this is getting more and more complicated. These holes are getting bigger, these missing audiences. And I really think we need to get under the hood more um, and partner to understand you know, um, exposure, right? And to really, um, to really do it right, um, to get the best bang for your buck, really, yeah. Mike, we are unfortunately out of time. Thank you so much and thank you all again. Thanks. That's all for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you liked our show, then please subscribe to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. I'm Aditi Sangal, and I'll see you next week with a new episode.